Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're our fourth class in, week four of uh, Financially Clean. Today would be our, our final class on credit. Um, and then next week, as you know, CLEAN is an acronym for those who don't know. So the C stands for credit, the L stands for learning to live without, E stands for education, A, attention to detail, and N, and no shame in your game. So we're going to finish off credit today. And then next week, we're going to get into learning to, there you go, learning to live without. And then we'll do education and, and attention to detail on class six. And then class seven, we'll roll up with no shame in your game. All right. So let's go through the key terms to know. And this is just picking up where we left off last class. Now, if everybody knows, you know, this is what you would see kind of um, some of these terms are what's on the back of a credit card when you're applying for credit. And they're very important to know and understand when you make your decision of, you know, what cards to buy and what's good for you. And like I said all the time, um, credit cards it's a personal choice depending on what your lifestyle is, what you're looking to do. And it's not the only thing that as far as a lending um, instrument is, but it's one of the most common. And we're going to talk about a few others throughout the class today. So let's talk about annual percentage rate and let's get somebody to, uh, to read it out loud. I'm going to start off with, let's start off with Gretchen Gonzalez. Are you there? Gretchen? I'm here. Hi, how are you? Good morning. Good afternoon. Hi. Um, what am you I wanna... reading? Annual percentage rate? Yes, please. An annual interest rate that includes cost of fees and the base interest does not factor into co compounding. Credit cards can have multiple APRs for purchases, cash advances, and balance transfers, see below, as well as penalty rates or promotion rates. Your APR depends on your credit. APRs can also vary over time versus the prime rate. An index interest rate for most loans based on the Federal Reserve Fed funds rate. So what does that mean in English, Gretchen? You want to take a stab at it? Uh, that it's an adjustable rate. It can change with time and... Um, uh, if you're, it varies com uh, if you're using, if you're purchasing something versus cash advance. Correct. So let's just give it a summary. So this is really where the bank, where the credit card company makes their money. This is where they charge you interest to, 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 to borrow their money, right? To, to get credit. But the, the key thing is all of them come with a 30 day interest free loan, meaning that if you pay this off in 30 days, the interest is not applied to you. So even when I search for cards, 
I'm not so concerned about what interest rates are going to charge. I'm more concerned about what else they're going to offer because historically I, I try to pay everything off in full every, thir- every before the 30 days is up so I don't get charged the interest. But if you're somebody that is not paying it off in full, you have to pay attention to what the interest and the interest can rate from 0%, which is like a, what we call a teaser rate. And that's really to acquire your business to get you in and say, OK, we're gonna, not going to charge you any interest rate. It's almost like now it's happening in the rental market. Oh, we're going to give you two months free rent to get you in and then we're going to start charging you rent. So they may give you a teaser rate of saying we're not going to charge you any interest rate to move you over from MasterCard to Visa, from Visa to American Express or whatnot. And then after that teaser rate expires, it's going to kick into a regular rate. And those rates, like they said, can vary upon how good your credit is. And, you know, the better your credit is, this is like the cost of doing business, the less you would most likely be charged. That's why, you know, like I said in the beginning of class, having bad credit doesn't stop you from obtaining things and buying things. It's just going to cost you a lot more. So if your credit rating is good, you may get a percentage rate of like 9.9%. But if your credit rate is bad, you get a credit rate, you can get interest rate of, I've seen them as high as 30%. So that's a difference of if you owe $100, just, you know, simple interest on a credit card balance at the end of the month, you would pay, you would owe $130 if they add the interest on if your, if your credit is bad versus $110 if your credit's bad. You know, just add zeros to that. If you owe $1,000 on your credit card, you'd pay $300 in interest rate, interest versus $100. If you owe $5,000 in, in, on credit card debt, you'd pay $1,500 in interest versus $300. So you see that, you know, how credit, how bad credit or not having good credit can be a detrimental to you and, and cost you more, you know, and then it mentioned, we're going to get into balance transfers and other things where like, there's different, you can see, I've seen on my credit card where there's like three different rates, rates for a balance transfer, rates on goods purchases, and then they may have promotions of like, okay, for FedEx shipments, we're giving you a different rate. So you have to pay attention to what the annual percentage rate is, but all understand one thing. All credit cards come with a 30-day grace period, all right? So let's get into compounding interest. And this is something I love to illustrate when I'm actually in the class, but unfortunately, obviously, we're doing virtual. So does anybody know? Can it somebody, let's see who I'm going to choose. Julia, can you read out the definition of compound interest, please? Julia, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Compounding interest, right? Yes, please. Interest that is calculated not only on the initial amount borrowed, but also on the accumulated <laughs> interest from prior periods. So what does that mean in English, Julia? Do you know what it means? No, sir. Oh, I love your honesty. So let me explain what it means. Does anybody know the difference between compound interest and simple interest? Anybody? Speak out. I mean, does since compound, does it add on top of interest already? Correct. And and what's simple interest, Brandon? The innate rate that you would get from the beginning. Correct. And is that huge? Wouldn't that be? Yeah, that sounds pretty huge to me. It is huge. It's compound interest. It's interest charged on interest. So let me do the math. I'm oh, God. Oh, God. You had a heart attack, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that, was a, that was a perfect reaction, Brandon. You should feel that way. And it should. Hopefully everybody else felt that way. And it hits home. And this is where, once again, where, like, where you talk about people saying they can't pay down their debt. It's not going down because the interest is compounding. So let's take an example. I, I, just visualize it. I love to illustrate it, but I'm going to try to make you visualize it. And I'm going to take it slow, okay? Let's just say you walked into, I don't know, uh, Macy's and you saw a shirt that was on sale. That's normally $150 and it's on sale for $100. So you think, oh, wow, I'm going to buy this shirt for $100. And you put it on your credit card. And you choose not to pay it off the first month. And I'm just going to, I'm not going to say you didn't, make a payment you did make a payment but i'm just going to try to keep the math very simple right so let's just say you you made the payment but the balance is a hundred dollars is everybody with me so far yes yes everybody's with me i'm going to go back to the chat okay so everybody's so you pay a hundred dollars and you didn't and the interest gets charged and let's just say you're one of those people that you don't have good credit and the interest is 29 percent. so the following statement that's your january statement in your february statement your new balance would be a hundred and thirty dollars is everybody with me because you're charged 30% interest 
on the hundred dollars. So now the shirt that was a hundred dollars on sale from one hundred and fifty is costing you one hundred thirty. And now let's just say you make a payment of ten dollars, which brings your balance down to one hundred and twenty. You you're now charged thirty percent interest on the hundred and twenty. And I'm looking down at my calculator. And that would bring your new balance to $156. Does everybody get that? Yes? Can I get a couple of yes? So the shirt that you thought you paid $100 for, now you've paid $56 in interest plus the $10 you gave in down payment. Because it's, and then the following month, just say you make another $10 in payment. Your, interest goes, your principal goes down from $156 to $146. And then you're charged 30% interest on the $146. Does everybody get that? How I got that? Emmanuel says no. Because it's interest charged on interest. So although you only paid $100 for it, every time they apply interest, they're charging, they're putting, they're charging you interest on the new, on the principal plus the interest. Does that make sense? A couple yeses. Right. So it's an expensive endeavor. So simple interest would be where you would just pay $100 for the shirt and your interest is just charged on the $100, no matter what the interest is, no matter what the, how much it goes up. So if you charge 30% interest on month one, if the balance goes down to $90, you'd be charged 30% interest on the $90 and so forth. You're not charged on the interest. So it keeps compounding. And compounding is a very, like, it's a, it's a tool that can put you into a lot of trouble if you don't understand it. And if you think about it, does it make sense when you think about it, buying something of materialistic value, like a phone, like shoes, like shirts, and not paying it off in full for that? Now that item is going to cost you triple, double what you paid for it. Like a lot of retail outlets, when you guys go to stores and they're like, okay, when you check out, everybody experiences when, you know, have you ever thought of applying for a Home Depot card? Have you thought of applying for a Macy's card or for a Gap card? The reason is because those retail outlets want to be in the business of lending money because they're making free money because they're charging interest upon on interest. So they're not even giving you any, they're not even giving you any longer like an item or something that you're going to leave with. You leave with that one shirt and you could be indebted for them for years from that one shirt. And they're not giving you anything else except a statement. So they're making these, I would, I wouldn't even want to, I don't want to call them phantom profits, but they're making these profits off of you and not even providing you anything anymore. Do you understand? That's why they encourage you to apply for their cards because they know it's a great way to make money and it's a great way to keep you married to them, always owing them, never paying it off. You know, they'd rather have you keep paying every month than, than just one-time purchase and not being able to because you're committed to them. And almost every form of debt is compounding. Yeah, that's just how they make their money. I don't know of any, Mr. 850 or Larry, if you guys can interject, where any credit card or retail company offers interest at simple interest and not compounding. No, because most people don't understand compounding and they know it's a way for them to make extremely high profits. Even like the banks, you know, the banks during this whole COVID time and everything that's happening are making record profits. You're so right. how do we, yes, go ahead. Right. So what with, with, with everyone here now and, and, and as they go into owning or having a credit card, this is the big takeaway that you have to learn from the base of, of obtaining credit cards and credit is that this is their profit motive is to tease you, bring you in, form a habit, and then you will be locked in paying for minor things that don't bring it, bring you any, any money, but cost you constantly uh, through the giant interest that did you 30%, 20% is crazy to be honest with you. When I was when I was your age, and I'm not going to tell you my age, but I'm up there. Um, uh, I was paying like I think the 12 percent. One card I had was 8 percent, and this is before I became what's it called a monthly payer. This is when I was paying on time. So with the with the level of debt that they're trying to get you in early on, it's really really rough for young people today who uh, find themselves you know, with credit card debt and not able to pay the full monthly balance. So Aliyah asks, how do we avoid this? Can anybody help Aliyah in answering the question, how we avoid this? Is it just paying your bill when you get it? 
Well, not you have thirty days grace, so you're close. But paying it off in full when the before the oh, due date, okay. great, right? Or do not make your eyes bigger than your mouth. You know what that means, Brandon? Uh, I feel like I do, but I don't want to say it wrong. So it's, sim- it's similar it. to don't put the cart before the horse. Ah, okay. Wait, so so no, so no, the amounts that you're doing before. Okay, all right, I, okay, I get it. I don't know. How to explain it though. I had a go, qu- go I ahead, Aaliyah. Like based off my question, so I was like, you know, when you go buy a car, right? Um, how does that work? Like, let's say if you buy a card and you want to build your credit, so you put the car note on your credit. That, like, that's that's a that's a different question. Let me just let me just get back to. Um, okay. Compound interest, and then we'll go. We'll move over to there. Okay, so, ba- no problem, Aaliyah. Um, so the 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 answer is really would buy only. Your, don't make your eyes bigger than your mouth. Is that really only buy, put on your card what you can afford to pay off? Don't get caught in the habit of spending money that you don't really have. You know, your credit card can be used as an asset in a way that can help you accelerate in life rather than put you behind, back in life. Most people use it as a, a tool that's not helping them move forward. It's actually something that's sometimes it's, it's, a, it's disenfranchising them, right? So you really have to be, this is when we get into next week, wants versus need and being responsible with your decision, being a responsible consumer, understanding the pitfalls that can happen if you allow it, because people get caught up in this cycle and then they find up with all this huge credit card debt and they're fighting their way to get out of it. And this is why we like teaching this course at kind of where you guys are at your age. So you can understand these things. And before it gets problematic, you, you're not allowing it to happen. All right. So let's go on to balance and then balance transfer. I'll let uh, Brandon, you can read the definition of balance, please. The amount of money you owe on a bill, including any purchases, interest, late payment fees, transaction fees, annual fees, cash advances, or balance transfers. Right. So when you get your in statement, English, what this means is it's basically everything that you use the card for would that would be your balance, right? Right. And it's important to look at this every month and see what you owe and what is due. Don't assume. Look in what's due because sometimes there could be errors or sometimes you may underestimate it. And if you short a payment, the interest kicks in, right? So it's important to see what the balance is. David, let's go. Let's define what's balance transfer. David, are you there? David, are you there? Okay, let's go to uh, Julissa. Found it. Oh, you're there, David? Okay, go ahead, David. What's balance transfer? My screen is kind of wonky today. Uh, balance transfer allows you to transfer the debt from an old card to a new card, usually with a lower interest rate. Many cards offer a 0% APR on balance transfers. However, they may come with a balance transfer fee of 3 to 5% of the total transfer and may have limits. Okay, so you sound like you read this like you understand it. So do you know what it means? Can you explain it all in simple terms? Um, basically, it's what we, kind of like what we talked about last week, which is the, um, the debt consolidation, where you're taking what you owe from one, uh, from one lender or one person and, and transferring it to this other person who's offering you a lower interest rate. So if you, if you, uh, if you have a card, like, say, I have a couple cards that I got when I um, when I started rebuilding my credit, and the the APR on them are higher, but I still keep them around and use them because it helps me with my credit history. Correct, correct. And this is a this is an this is a tool that I mean I worked on Wall Street that I know people that used to like like renovate apartments on balance transferring, putting everything on a card, then balance transferring it onto a zero interest card for 12 months and then paying it off slowly or allowing their tenants to pay it off. This is a really powerful tool that can help you out and help minimize your expenses and keeping yourself from paying interest rates if used wisely. And it's really the great deals are offered to those that have great credit. If your credit isn't good, think about it as a lender. Like if I, I'm not going to offer a 0% interest rate to somebody that has bad credit and the likelihood that if I transfer their debt over to me, they're not going to pay it back. So in order to be, to, to, be, to be a member of the balance transfer fraternity, you need to maintain your credit, and which to me makes sense. Does it make sense to everybody else? Sure. 
And, you know, the cost of doing business, like they said, sometimes, and, you know, it's all seasonal, like coming around Christmas and so forth, you'll, you'll see a lot of zero interest rates because they want people to spend. They want you to put stuff on your car in, in the hopes that come January, you'll be broke. Right. Yep. So they can start. That's the, it's a business like this. These, these are not charities or not for profits. You know, this is not the friendly Good Shepherd credit card. <laughs> these are businesses. So they're 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 looking to help you. They're looking to find ways in which to, to get you. And I, I can't blame them. It's, it's this is how they this is how they earn revenue. Um, but the cost of doing business can be three to five percent balance transfer fee. There's some where they have zero percent balance transfer fee. And I've paid the fee sometimes, depending on how the balance on what I want to do, because to me, that fee could be minimal compared to what I would pay in interest. And I just call that the cost of doing business. So if, you, if you're transferring over $1,000, if it'd be 3% of $1,000, it should be $30. It could be as high as $50 to transfer that balance. Is it worth it in some cases? I believe so. And sometimes it may not if you know that you're going to pay it off quickly. Does that make sense? Okay, I yeah. guess so. Everybody's got it. Doesn't uh, that interrupt the longevity? Does what? On your credit report? Say it again. Say it one more wouldn't time. That please. In, wouldn't that interrupt longevity? Showing longevity on your credit report if you transfer the balance and then you then what? You close the first account. Okay, closing cards. There we go. Good question. Um, remember what David just mentioned? Like he keeps a couple cards around for his credit history. Very important. And we talked about it earlier. Credit history is one of the things that factors that comes into your credit score. So when I first started paying off my credit cards and trying to understand credit, as soon as I got to a zero interest, I was so quick to get on the phone and call them up and close the card. But I realized my score actually got worse when I did that because it gets into available credit. So if you have five credit cards and they all have $100 available credit, right? That means your, your total available credit is $500. And say you only put $100 on the total of all five of those cards. Is everybody with me? That means your utilization rate is only 20%. So to the bank and to the lenders, like, oh, you have access to $500, but you only use 100, you only use 20% of it. Does that make you look desperate or does that make you look good? Marilyn? It makes you look good because you're less than 30%. Correct. Now, let's just say you got rid of one of those cards. You paid it off. You zeroed it out. You still have the $100 balance. Now it's only on four cards at $100. Your utilization rate goes up now, right? From mm -hmm. 20 to 25%. So are you looking better by closing the card or are you looking worse? I think you're looking worse by closing the card because your utilization rate goes up and it's getting closer to 30%. Exactly. So the question is, like, it's, it's, you know, sometimes it's a judgment call, like some cards charge fees. And I'm not about like paying a fee just to keep a card open. But I know what you can do, you can downgrade that card. If you have a card where they're charging an annual fee, most credit card companies have cards that don't charge a fee. And I've downgraded when I balance a card at zero, and they're still charging me an annual fee, I'll just downgrade it. So I keep that open line of credit open. And I don't close it out. Shot. If, if I if I can interrupt, we, we talked about this last class when it came to, you know, the benefits and the bonuses that come with credit cards. For me personally, the only I have a bunch of cards that have fees and I have a bunch of cards that don't have fees. Right. I will never close the cards that don't have fees because it will keep my, you know, it'll keep my credit history going for the cards that have fees. Oftentimes, the, the, the benefits of those cards will outweigh the cost of the fee. Right. So that's how you think about it. So, for example, if you have a credit card, a travel credit card that gives you $300 back in travel credit, right? Then it's going to pay. And then the fee is less than that. Then it's going to pay for the value of the card or the fee is a little bit more than that. Even then I'll discount the price of the card every, every year. Right. Cause I know I'm going to spend at least 300 bucks in travel that year. So you got to do the math in your head basically and, and weigh the effective cost of that card and keeping it open. Exactly. Okay. So let's go now to billing cycle. Um, the billing cycle is basically the, the interval of time between receiving bills. A billing cycle is reoccurring and is most often said to respect, repeat a monthly basis. For example, a credit card will often send bills out on the first day of the, for, of the month for services provided the previous month. The only thing I would say to this is to be mindful that billing cycles run on a 30-day cycle, not a monthly calendar cycle. So what I'm saying to you is that 
sometimes your bill may be due just, for example, on the seventh of the month versus the eighth of the month, or sometimes the ninth of the month, depending on how many days in that in that billing in that month. So you have to be very aware of, you know, looking every month and when your billing payment, when your payment is due. Don't assume it's always due on the seventh. It's always due on the first because it's on a 30 day cycle. And as you know, some months carry 28 days and some months carry 31 days. So be very mindful of that. Cash advance. I, we, we talked about that last week. So I'm not going to, with the respect of time, I'm not going to get into that again this week. And credit line, you know, it's how much the lender will allow you to borrow. And, you know, if you think you're making great payments, you're doing everything right. You know, don't be scared to ask for an increase in your credit line. Sometimes they'll offer it to you. In most cases, you'll, it'll just come to you without even asking for it. They're like, we increased your credit line. Congratulations. Doesn't mean you go out on a spending spree, people. I know people have done it. <laughs> it just means that now you have more available credit and you can, you, if you need, you have access, right? But if you need to increase your credit line, you definitely can call your lender. And if you're in good standing, I think nine times out of 10, they will. Debt to income ratio, we just talked about that, which gets into utilization rate. I'll let you read it for yourself. Late payment fees. So once again, not paying your bill on time, it's kind of like a double whammy. They hit you with a late payment fee. They hit you with interest, right? And if you're in a promotional rate, we have a teaser rate. Say you have a zero interest balance transfer, you're not paying any interest. All of that defaults. It's all done. Deal is over. One day late, everything they agreed to to give you and provide you, they take it right back. And they put you in a pool of now we're going to milk you. So it's very important to pay your pay on time. It, paying on time keeps you, even if it's a minimal, I don't agree with paying minimal. You should always play above because it gets back to that D word of desperation. But you should really take pride in making sure you pay your bills on time. And don't play the old double up, double up game, meaning that Oh, I, I didn't make a payment this month, but I'm going to double up next month. And why do you think, does doubling up make you like good with the credit card company? Like, oh, because I missed it this month, I'm going to double up next month. Mercedes, you think that's a good thing? I think the credit companies are like, oh, she's, she's great. She didn't make the payment this month, but she made two payments next month. Is that a good thing? No. Yeah. Why not? Really why not? Because you still paid it late. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> You're right about that, John. It, it, doubling up doesn't help. One of the things that you always have to worry about now is when you're late, don't be shy. Call them up, ask for a waiver. During COVID, they're giving out a lot of different types of waivers. If you can show you've had an illness, if you can show you've lost your job, they will waive a lot of the fees normally associated with credit cards and other, other things that uh, compound at this time. Absolutely. But I will tell you this, which I realize it's called forbearance when the, when the banks and lenders say, hey, we're going to defer you from making payments for the next little while. What I found out, because I'm actually working on doing a personal refinance myself, is that it's still noted on your credit report that the bank has given you a waiver. And lenders now are, are, making, are not, lending, not openly lending to people that have taken waivers. It's sad. It's hypocritical. But it's the truth. And I'm just trying to be real with you. And the reason why they're saying, well, if you need a waiver on this, we don't want you to have to have a waiver um, with, when we lend you money as well. And some are even saying when, you, when they lend you or loan you, they're putting, a, a, um, they're putting uh, a line in the contract saying that you cannot get a waiver on this loan. So you have to be mindful in this. If you're looking for new credit and applying for new credit, it's not going to lower your score or anything, but it will be noted on your credit report that you have gotten some kind of forbearance. Okay. All right. Uh, promotional rates. We talked about that. I love promotional rates. And, you know, for me, when I get a balance transfer, a teaser rate, and I do it, I mark it on my calendar. I think the best way to handle it, too, if you owe a, if you get a promotional rate, like, say, a zero interest rate for 10 months, and your balance is $1,000 every month, it's better that you make incremental payments. Don't wait for the promotional rate to come due and try to balloon payment. Make incremental payments, $100 every month. And you still have to make payments every month, even though you get a, transfer, a, a teaser rate. You still are required to make monthly payments, okay? All offers still require you to make monthly payments. And I don't want to encourage it, but I'm not going to discourage it. If things happen and that teaser rate is coming due and you're still feeling you're going to carry a balance, what I would suggest, and this is a matter of you're keeping good credit again, 
is that you can apply for another balance transfer and you can balance transfer that transfer from that original balance transfer onto a new balance transfer, which I have done myself. But I don't want to encourage it because it, it, it could build up where you're having all, piling up all this debt. But it can be a way to still avoid paying interest, right? You know, at the end of the game, you know, I say it all the time if you listen to my podcast, you know, your money is your money and you have to protect it. And you have to make sure that you're getting true value um, on everything you do. And everybody like that, you that, you know, that's why I believe in repeat business, going to places time again, so everything, because then I ask for more. You know, when I if I'm going if I continuously using my American Express card, I'm continuing asking for better deals, for better opportunities. I'm continue. If you continue going to your neighborhood restaurant, I believe one day they should give you a free coffee. I believe next day they should give you something else because you're showing that you're committed to that business. And some people that come to my shipping place when they're when I have repeat customers, I obviously give them deals. And I think that's a very important way to grow your brand and build up your reputation. All right. Next one. Go ahead. Uh, before we move on to this, um, look, everyone's in different financial situations, right? And in the best case scenario, the easiest way to avoid dealing with any of this and worrying about all these terms and things like that is just to set an auto pay on your card, right? If you set an auto pay on your card monthly, pays off your balance in full. So you're going to zero every month. You'll never be charged interest. You'll never be charged late fees, right? Now, obviously during these times, during COVID times, if you've lost your job, if you know people get sick, hospital bills, there are other considerations and sometimes when you can't do that. And so these are just some of the techniques that we're teaching you to manage that better without, you know, doing the least damage to your credit score, for example. So, yeah. And, you know, you know, Mr. Nate 15, I've known each other maybe about three or four years now. And when we sit down and talk, we have the same mindset and the same discipline. It's a mindset to get here. You have to be disciplined. You have to see the big picture. You have to know that, you know, paying on time, maintaining good credit is, is an everyday life process. Every, every purchase that I make, I think about, can I afford to pay this off next month? What's going to happen? How am I going to do this? How am I going to manage it? You have to have that strategic mindset, whatever, and regardless of whatever your chosen career is. If you're a student, you have to think about, it. I don't want to leave school. You, the best way to graduate from college is minimal debt and a degree in your pocket, not a degree in your pocket thousands of thousands of dollars in debt. Yes, we've all fallen into that predicament. I have as well. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. But the best way is to follow it is to graduate with minimal debt and have that degree. And you have to be strategic in everything you do when you're in school as well. Like, do I want to really use my student loan to purchase all these things or can I keep some of it back so I don't have to indebt myself as much, right? And it's about understanding that, like, I'm, you know, you are your business. You are your business. You are your brand. And you have to protect your business and grow your business accordingly. All right. Next slide. Hey, Sean. Yes, hey, sir. This is, this is Ben. Hey, Ben. How you doing? Good to see you. I, I just wanted to add something, too, because a lot of our students are at CUNY uh, and, and they get refunds, right? So if, they, if you get full financial aid, you get some money back. That's a great resource. And I've seen it where young people have saved that money over time too and use it to finance things like graduate degrees. 
And so thinking also on that level where if you're getting that refund, uh, what is the smartest way that you, what you, what can you do with that refund that will make it grow? Exactly. No, perfect example. Like when I worked at Chase Bank, my first job, we got um, stock, um, we got stock. And when it hit a certain value, we could cash out. And honestly, when it hit that strike price, they called it, you know, everybody on my team, for the most part, cashed out, not everybody, but a lot of them cashed out, went on trips, but I remember one guy bought a motorcycle, did this and did that, you know, by the grace of God, I didn't cash mine out, like similar to the example that Benjamin's giving you, I just, I didn't really have anything I needed to buy at that time. And it was really, it wasn't about me understanding credit and finance. I really just didn't have anything to buy. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do this. I don't need to go on a trip. I, I'm new to New York. I'm just going to save this money and put it aside. That money, that same rebate that, that, that Benjamin is talking about in another way, I, that was what was my down payment on my first property. Had I spent that on a trip, had I bought a motorcycle, had I just splurged and hung out with it, I probably wouldn't be teaching this course to you today. And it was just through happenstance that I just said, you know what? I, I, I remember like it was yesterday. I just don't know what to buy with it. Let me just, let me just not use this money. And I, I want to add to that, Sean. If, if many of the students here are getting refunds for what they put out and they're able to leave college debt-free, um, remember, there are people, I'm, I'm actually 65 years old. I know 65 years who, young. I'm 65 years young. I know people who still are paying on school debt. They've been carrying that monkey on their back until they're seniors. And now their kids have debt. So what we're sharing with you, and this is why we're harping on this so strongly, is that sometimes this thing just gets stuck on you and you can't get it off. As for the money that you have saved, what to do with it, well, that's a personal choice. Just look at where your interest lies. Education has always been a good investment when used properly. So that would be my, my suggestion. If you're looking at other ways to make the money stretch, there's lots of ways to do that. And we're mainly involved with sharing with you how to use credit and also live on less. And is there anything that myself, Larry... Mr. 850, even Benjamin just said that seems like, oh, yeah, this is just I understand, but it's just not within my reach. It's not something doable because the point of this program is to really make it practical. So by by replying in the chat group, does everything seem like, yeah, this is within my reach? Yes, I can do this. Yes, I can maintain these disciplines or no, this is just crazy. It just doesn't seem realistic to our generation. Okay, great. Thank you, Mercedes. Yes, yes. Thank you. Good, because this is how it's supposed to feel. It's not supposed to be a course where you feel like, oh, this is just great, nice to have information, and but I can't do it. Okay? Can we go back so, to, the, to the last slide? Um, just wanted to be able to take a look at that. Yeah, the last slide, the last slide is about types and benefits. For the sake of time, I, I think we need to go to the next one, because I talked about this in the last class, so if you need more clarity, just uh, listen to the recording of the last class where I go through all the different types of cards. Thanks. Okay, so let's talk about um, assets and liabilities, okay? Um, so an asset, um, someone can read the definition. I'll let Diane, can you read it? Diane, are you there? Maybe your mic is not on. Okay. What about Siri? Siri, I know you're there. Can you read it? Yep. Yep. Assets are resources with economic value, such as money in the bank, value of securities and investment accounts, uh, examples, 401k, trading accounts, real estate, businesses you own, your possessions, collectibles, even intangible assets. Liability. Okay, let's go. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Yeah, keep going. Liabilities are obligations that include things like credit card debt, mortgages, auto loans, student loans, tax liabilities. Not all debt is bad. Your okay. net worth, go ahead. No, keep going. Okay. Your net worth is equal to the value of your assets minus your liabilities. Okay, so let's stop right there. So assets are, are what in a nutshell, Siri? Assets are your plus. Like yeah. all of your, everything that you can, um, 
you know, like your house that you own, things that you own that are pluses to your, to your credit. Right. Everybody on this class has to work towards acquiring assets. Yes, you want to have a job, you want to be self-employed, but I've seen a lot of people that are self-employed and still don't have assets because they're working, working, working in their business, but they're not putting anything aside. So if you're a business, even if you're an entrepreneur and your business is not a giving you the, the um, ability to acquire assets, then you have to rethink your entrepreneurial activities. Okay, the key to generational wealth and creating wealth is great is collecting assets. And they mm-hmm. come in many forms, your 401k, real estate, um, stocks, investments, choose your weapon. And an asset, like I had a friend recently, she was like, I want to apply for a loan. You know, I, I'm a doctor. Can I, can I um, use my, can I let my computer, my medical bed, my patient, inf- my pa- my, all these different things that are in an, a medical office uh, count as assets towards getting the loan. And I said, technically they're assets, but they don't really hold no value where the bank is going to look at them as something that they're going to, that they're going to use to, to determine if you, if you are approved for a loan. So when you want, banks want to see hard things like your 401k, meaning your retirement, meaning if you own real estate, if you, if you have things that are, you know, are tangible like that. So you need to really, and anything you do, and I've seen so many people get caught up in their own like world of business and their own thing that they're doing. And they're so not focused on collecting assets in my shipping business and anything I do. I'm always thinking, will this business give me a return where I can afford to acquire assets? Does that make sense? So you included here though, um, that assets are a business, a business that you own. Well, I own assets, but they're not, they can be looked upon. Some of them can be looked upon like, okay, I have a building where I have tenants. So within my building, it's an asset and I have tenants that bring income. But you can have stocks that are not part of your business, right? You can have your retirement built up. That's not part of your business. That's on the side. That's growing. Those are assets. Those are things that you can leverage and do other things with, right? And those are things that you can pass on. That's the point of all this hard work that you put in and that you work has to lead to some kind of reward like that. Makes sense. And And you don't want to be playing catch up. I've seen people in their 50s, 60s, 70s trying to play catch up now, like understanding at a later age. And not doing in the case of the foundation was laid early on. Now, liabilities are things that, to me, help you acquire assets, are active tools to help you get there. Like credit card can help you acquire assets. Mortgages can help you acquire property. Auto loans, like someone mentioned earlier, can be used. I have a work van that I use to build my business so I can acquire assets, right? And, and, and student loans are there to educate yourself, to put you in a higher tax bracket, hopefully, so you have more purchasing power to acquire assets. So that's why I say it says not all debt is bad, because if you're leveraging your debt, and this is what the rich do, this is what the wealth do, they leverage their debt to acquire assets and to grow. Does everybody understand that? It's, in, it's interesting that you say that, and this is the last thing I'll say on this point, um, because I saw and I don't want to name the person, but, you know, she is huge in what she does in financial literacy. Um, but her, she actually um, basically sort of suggests that people pay off their debts. And I remember in your class that you suggest that people have these credit cards and, you know, so that they could uh, show and build their credit, show that they have credit and build their credit. Um, so, is there a, you know, is there a reason why she's telling people to pay off their debts as opposed to you saying? Um, well, what I'm saying, there's personal debt. Like if you're using debt to just have um, things that, you know, that like things like clothing and, you know, and just um, things that are not actually helping you build, that's considered bad debt, right? Good debt is things that the rich and wealthy people need like mortgages. If you have a mortgage and it's helping you bring in rental income, then that's good debt. It's just a simple rule of thumb. If what the cost of the debt, if the money that I bring in outweighs the cost of the debt, then it's good debt. Meaning that if I acquire, I'm going to go back to real estate. If I own a building and I have three tenants that give me a hundred dollars a month, which is $300 a month. And I only have to pay back a hundred dollars a month, to borrow that money, to borrow the, to get the mortgage, then I have a plus of $200. To me, that's good debt. Right. Can I jump in, Sean? Yes, sir. Real quick. 
Um, I understand where she she's she's coming from. There is there are different camps that approach this. You know, not everyone approaches it the same way we do. And um, for 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 example, some people do say you should have no debt. Now, the way we look at it is, or at least the way that I've looked at it in the past, is always to use debt as leverage. I didn't have a million dollars. I didn't have two million dollars to go out and buy what I wanted. All right. Until I acquired at least a million dollars, then I can pay off all my debt and then I can still go out and purchase. I used banks money as leverage. And now I'm at the point where um, I want to be able to pay off all my debts at my age, have no debt and still be able to buy, flip or hold if I choose to, because I used my debt in the past wisely. And that's where most people find themselves without the proper money or equity to get into an, a deal. And that's where banks come in. So we're teaching you how to use that wisely. If you should happen to fall on a million dollars from a relative or whatever, then you can go out and say, I don't want to have that. But until then, that's your biggest asset in terms of using it wisely, because you're going to use it to go out and acquire properties, or either businesses that will put you in the best position financially. Remember, I, I, this I like course. This, go I ahead. Like that point. I like what I like this approach because to me it makes sense that if you don't have the the finances, you know what I mean, and especially a lot of black and brown um, people don't have, um, you know, access to that type of money. So if you can, you know, improve your credit to access a million dollars. That's a great way to build wealth. And I love that. I love this approach. So thank you. I'm going to put myself in. And, and, and just one more thing is that, you know, we're not, we haven't been taught a lot how to really wealth building, you know, debt management, managing debt is something the wealthy, the, even back to 400 years ago, you know, it's, a, it's how you, well, you manage debt and how you're right. allowing to leverage debt to grow and create wealth. Excuse me. And if you don't learn those basic principles, you will not become wealthy. Like, for example, we talked about buying a building. If you're going to use, like my grandmother, she saved every penny she could and saved and saved, but never acquired any assets, never took that risk. You know, rented an apartment for her entire life that I know of as my, my grandmother. I worked the same job, but she didn't really retire wealthy because she never took any risk. She never got any loans. She never had any credit debt. She never had any mortgage debt. And if she learned to, to leverage that, she would have grown exponentially. So you have to get into mindset of, and it, and it comes to like, if you're using up all your available credit that like we talked about on things that are materialistic things on bad debt, so you're not going to have that available credit now to be able to get approved for a mortgage, to get approved for a, a business loan and those sort of things. You know, the great thing when I apply for loans, I don't have, I don't show a lot of bad debt. Do I have mortgage debt? Absolutely. But that's favorable debt to the bank. When if I had a lot of high credit card debt and I had these high balances, they look at me like, you know, you're not somebody that's spending wisely. So you really have to understand how and it gets into the game like we talked about earlier about using other people's money to make money. Yes. Love it. All right. Okay. Let's go on so, to the next. So, wait, quick go ahead. question. So basically you're just saying that to use your debt to buy, buy assets rather than liabilities. Yes. Using liability to acquire assets so you can grow. Like, I don't care if you're a photographer, if you're an active or freelancer, you have to collect assets along your journey of life. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. So it, this is why I said from the beginning, when you write down your goals and what you want to do in life, financial literacy plays a strong role in you becoming successful and whatever you choose to do. Do you guys see the connection now? Definitely. I just want to mention real quick, because I know we got a time constraint. When you look at me, me and Sean, you say, oh, well, they, they, they had it easy. No, I came from a, a family that was on and off welfare and housing projects in East New York. Okay. Didn't learn hardly anything other than how to keep a dollar on the table, you know, on weekly, not to have assets, had zero assets, was left pretty much nothing. Okay, so what I was given is the, the value system to keep myself from being locked up and acting stupid. And from the right people that I hung out with, they went on to share with me different things. And 
Once I got a couple of dollars, I held it. I got my credit right. And I moved and bought my first property in a crack area that within 10 years gentrified. And then the property shot up maybe tenfold. So when you, when you go out and you do things, there's a sacrifice limit or level you have to ex examine within yourself. What are you willing to sacrifice? And the choice is, do you sacrifice now while you're young? Or do you wait till you're 65 and you got to still work at Walmart and, and, and work and sacrifice later? So that's your choice. Exactly. So let's, let's sum it up and talk about this, the, the five C's of credit worthiness. And besides your credit score, how lenders evaluate whether you're, they're going to approve you for a loan. Um, I'll let CJ read out the first one. Character, a.k.a. stability in credit history, how long you've lived at your current address, how long you've been in your current job, and whether you have a good record of paying your bills on time and in full. Can anybody say what great job CJ could be? You sound like a perfect recording, CJ. I thought it was a computer talking. <laughs> I think you have a job. And you have the perfect recorded voice. I thought it was a computer. Exactly. Character. It talks about your credit history. And we talked about the, a, a young lady asked the same question about closing out a credit card. This falls in line with character. The only way to prove your character is to show your history of events, right? And how well you've paid on time, how well you've, you've been able to maintain your history. And, you know, your credit report doesn't have a line for excuses. It just doesn't apply to that. Like everybody has a story. Everybody has a thing we call life and you have to manage around it. You have to manage. You have to kind of keep, keep plugging away. Like today I had so many things hit me at once. Attendance overseas is leaving. Attendance here is leaving. The store is this. And I just have to sit down with myself USA minute and say they're independent events. Let's handle them independently and let's work through every single one of them one by one. Because if I try to commingle them all as one big problem, it's when things become overwhelming. So even with you, when you look at your problems and things that you're working through in life, you kind of got to look at them as independent events and like, let me just get through these things. Let's chip at the way of these things one by one. Um, capacity. Let's go, Johanna, capacity. Um, I just kind of joined like a few minutes ago because I couldn't find the the link, so I didn't have a chance to hear about that. You want to read the definition? Just to read the definition. You see it? All right, I'll I'll go to Rashida. Rashida, can you read capacity, please? Your ability to repay a loan based on the debts you have. Debtors look at debt-to-income ratio. And so we talked about that already. Your utilization rate. How much, are you, how much are you utilizing? And it gets back to that D word. Does anybody know what that D word is? We talked about? Desperate? Desperate, exactly. If you're maxing out your cards and you don't have a lot of available credit, it leads into like, oh, this person's desperate and I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to lend this person money. If I do, I'm going to have to charge them a higher amount because they look like they're in a rough situation, Right. Sade, capital. Sade, are you there? Sade is not there. Yupping, yupping, capital. Can you read capital? Uh, yes. How much of your own money have you invested in your business? So what does that mean? Um, what the question is, I guess. Like I've had people come to me and say, Hey, Sean, I want to partner with you. Let's do this together. And they'll say, Oh, I'm going to put in sweat equity. What people like to say, meaning they're not going to put anything. You put up the money and you know, even the banks want to know, like, are you willing to invest in yourself? Are you willing to believe in yourself in this idea? And if you're applying for this loan, how much are you going to put up of your money? So it comes in, you know, how much capital and capital gets back to the asset side. You may not have to write the bank a check, but if you can say, well, I have a 401k or I have stocks or I have this building that I'm willing to put up as collateral because I believe in what's, what I'm doing, then the bank looks at you as a more favorable person to lend money to and at more favorable rate. And it gets right into what I said, the next line, which is collateral <laughs> assets that can be used as security for a loan repayment, Right. And then the last one, I'll let Tiana read it. Conditions. 
circumstances that may affect your ability to repay the loan, health of business, um, I'm sorry, I can't really see. Competition. Competition and mark, uh, market conditions. So what does that mean in summary? What's the, what's the ability that you're going to be able to pay back the loan based on certain conditions? And if the bank can see clearly that you've addressed those conditions, you can speak on those conditions, and you have contingency plans laid in case some of those conditions happen, that you look, once again, as a favorable candidate. Right? Sometimes you can't change anything, right? Because we put market conditions in there. Like right now. I was just about to say that, Larry. Go ahead. <laughs> things are, you know, the economy wasn't doing very well in the beginning of the year. And like what happens when things get uncertain, right? People get scared. Banks get scared. Their businesses. And they, a lot of them stop lending. And, you know, if you guys have been reading the news, a lot of the stuff that the Federal Reserve and the government has been doing is to try and support that, right? To put money into the system. So to encourage people to, to go out and lend more money because, again, right? Let's just say if Sean were trying to lend me money and I said, I just lost my job or the market's not doing well, Sean's going to be more hesitant to give me that money, right? Because sometimes you can't do anything about it. Exactly. But you have to be aware of what's happening, wherever your environment, wherever the conditions and really adapt, you know, really understand that, you know, everything's changing, world's evolving. You have to maybe change your skill sets, change the way you look at things, I'm always trying to recreate myself and figure out, you know, how do I stay current? How do I adapt to this new environment? And how do I keep moving forward? You know, life has a way of moving. Sometimes you may not move. You may not move up, accelerate as fast as you want to. You may even be just moving at one pace level. You may even dip a little, but you always have to try to keep moving forward and not make the excuses. Oh, it's because of the market. Oh, it's because of this. Oh, it's because of that. No, you have to tackle it and figure out a way in which you can still navigate forward. Okay. So understanding loans. Sean, I, I can do this one really quick because I know we only have a minute left. But okay, kind of go through everything uh, in in full, and I think you guys can can read it at your own time, whether now or afterwards. The same principle applies to loans as to credit because credit cards are a form of debt, right? So are mortgages, so are auto loans, so are student loans, personal loans, all that stuff. The only difference is that these loans, these other loans tend to be what we call installment loans, which is what Sean talked about in the beginning of the class, in the beginning, like in the first or second class, which are, they're called installment loans because they have a regular payment schedule. Like for example, usually you're paying off a set amount every month. That's why every year it's installments. That's what they call them, right? So a lot of the terms are the same, right? Interest is going to be the same, um, you know, and I, what I want to explain is just the difference between interest and principal, right? Principal is just your balance, Right, what, what we talked about before, like if you're not paying off, if you're not paying off your balance in full with a credit card, they're going to charge you interest, right? And because it's compounding, which we talked about, if you don't pay that either, then they're going to charge you more interest on the principal and the interest, right? So you got to make sure that for the most part, when you're paying down these loans, they're designed that you have, you should be paying down interest and principal at the same time. So eventually by the end of the time, of your mortgage or your auto loan or your personal loan, you've paid off everything, right? Because otherwise then you just, you spiral. Um, and I'll say like, sometimes you can prepay, like Sean was talking about a refinancing. Uh, a refinancing is basically you're taking out another loan to pay off your existing loan because the new loan is cheaper. The interest rate is lower, right? Maybe because the market conditions are better. And so, you know, your old loan usually will have something that says, can I cancel my loan ahead of time or prepay it, right? Um, and collateral is just what you're putting up if you don't pay the loan. So if you default on your loan, you miss a payment or you miss a bunch of payments, it's clear that you're not going to be able to pay the loan. Usually a lot of these installment loans, like mortgages, your collateral is your house. Auto loans, your collateral is your car, Right. Student loans are harder. I don't, I don't usually think there's any collateral to them. Business loans, sometimes they can take stuff from your business, right? They can take your inventory. Um, so you have to put up something for them to give you something, which is a th common theme to what we've done in the past. Um, and I'm, up there, I'm not going to really talk about the stuff on the right. All I'm going to say is there's a lot of fancy 
you know, terms and loan types out there. I would say, and just said, be careful of a lot of the fancy stuff because it might well that, for example, oh, I can pay less now and I'll just pay more later if I only pay the interest and I don't pay down any principal. But again, the last is to spiral out of control and not be able to that's when you need to. Right. I want to I want to address quickly the gentleman that asked about auto loans earlier and just to give you a great brief synopsis of auto loans. So basically with a car, a car is what we consider a depreciating asset, meaning that the value depends, declines over time rather than increases over time. So when you're applying for a loan, for an auto loan, it, it really is determined by your, your credit, you know, the, and, and everything is negotiable. So, you know, if you're going in with a strong credit, you know that you can negotiate a good an auto loan payment. And sometimes I try to make an auto loan payment around what I can afford and kind of give them the number that I think I can afford and see their reaction and, you know, and then go from there and negotiate. And, you know, don't be tied to one type of car or one type of lender or one. I know that you can shop it around. And I've always found to be quite as a rule of thumb, like the best place to really even apply for the auto loan is to go directly to the automaker, meaning that if you want to buy a Ford car, go to a Ford dealership. If you want to buy a Mercedes car, go to a Mercedes dealership. These sub dealerships that may be like Larry Tang's auto dealership or Mr. 850 auto car tend to charge you more than what uh, if you go right to the primary person that's selling the, that is actually uh, manufacturing the car and then has the, um, the dealership set up. So those are just a couple of things with the rule of thumbs and know that, um, if you have a strong credit score, it gives you more leverage and know that everything is negotiable. You know, sorry, we're, we're crushed for time. Thank you. Any last minute out questions that we can address quickly? So if you're trying to like, say for instance, you have to pay off a debt, you actually fell behind. Um, they actually sent it to, um, you know, collections. another company. Yep. Collections to pick it up. What do you suggest people do um, if, you know, they have to pay it off? Uh, do they well, call, can they negotiate a deal on how much they could pay? What do you suggest? Well, let me give you the business model of a collection agency. So collection agencies, in some cases, they, they either buy the debt or they get a percentage of whatever they collect from the debt for the, for the, for the person that is in, for the debtor. So, for example, Chase will send you three, four letters and they realize they're not getting through, you're not getting that. So they'll have... A collection agency will be like, oh, we'll buy that debt for pennies on the dollar. So if you owe Chase $100, the collection agency may buy that debt from Chase for $25. So anything that they collect above $25, they get that's where their profit comes from. So with that understanding their business model and how they work, you have room to negotiate. All right. And sometimes I always start by going back to the original lender. So you look at, I would start with Chase and see what Chase says. Hey, Chase, can we still, can I still make due on this debt? Can I still work into a plan where I can pay this off? And if Chase may say, well, it's out of our hands, that means they've sold the debt and they no longer have the debt on their books. Then mm-hmm. you got to, then you got to go to the collection agency and work a deal out with them. You know, so I would always start by originally where the debt came from and they may not going to tell you they sold the debt, but you'll see by the reaction if they're like, we can't do anything versus, okay, let's see if we can work something out. And then one, one other question, I'm sorry. So then after that, um, you know, after you cleared your debt with that company, then what happens then with your, your credit score? How does that well, work? Well, if the debt is written off, like I said, you can't correct, you, you can't like change a negative occurrence. It'll still show that this went to collections. It'll still show that, but over time it'll get better and it'll show that the debt is at zero. So you'll look on your credit report, it'll say, oh, 90 days past date but the balance is zero or it won't say write off. Cause I know write off really hits your score hard. And that's what happens after a while. If they can't collect, they're just going to write it off and that's going to really affect your credit score. So even if it says, you know, 90 days late, 120 days late, but the balance is zero paid off. It's better than getting a write off. Got it. Thanks. All right. All right, everyone. Well, thank you guys. Once again, I hope we didn't rush. I hope it wasn't too fast. And hope you guys got a lot of information that you can apply to your own personal lives. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful 
you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.